0: The Spirit expressly speaks to this congregation tonight. Let your word not go out void, but let it accomplish the purpose for which you are sending it, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to a couple people around you and tell them Jesus is our mediator. You can be seated. This is Veterans Day, and of course, we wanted to properly honor our veterans. As I was thinking about Veterans Day, I recognized how and what courage was involved in them as they went. Our veterans went, they served, and many even lost their lives as soldiers of war, and in the room tonight, we have so many veterans and you truly are our heroes. You gave up an entire space of your life so we can be free. And I never want to take this lightly and I hope that our children and young people pay close attention tonight at us taking the time to honor our veterans because this is a very special day And it's a very special honor. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And we honor our veterans tonight. And thank you. Thank you. I'll attempt to preach a message tonight suited for this moment. I was thinking as our veterans went, they served and they gave much like Jesus did for you and I. I'm not considering the fact that our veterans are Jesus, I know some of them too well. They went of course as a mediator in conflict. They served as our advocates and they fought for our freedom. But one thing that our veterans could not do, that Jesus did, is that Jesus became our propitiation, is the scriptural word that is used here. What that big word simply means is He literally, physically became our offering. He became our sacrifice. 1 John chapter 2 says it like this. We have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation or he became the actual physical living sacrifice for our sins. I want to preach for a little while tonight on Jesus, our mediator. The Bible said there is one mediator between God and man. In passing, one may ask what is meant by mediator or what does it mean when the Bible says that we have an advocate with the Father. I, I believe these are two of the most misinterpreted and mistranslated verses in Scripture I want you to pay close attention tonight because I want to unravel some confusion in some people's mind regarding the Godhead when it comes to some of these scriptures that they get stumped and twisted up on when in truth it is very clear and very simple because it all starts out by simply saying there is but one God. Trinitarian scholars and writers have suggested that these words mean something very different than what the Scripture is actually saying or that was originally intended. The word advocate, they say, simply means one that is standing in for us and they see the advocate as a lawyer and it has been preached in apostolic pulpits even to the point of creating confusion in people's mind of how we have this advocate, this lawyer that stands in between God and man. And this advocate is, is pleading the cause and, and it's been said and it's been preached that that Jesus is between man and God and that Jesus is somewhere in heaven praying for us. That's false doctrine. The word mediator they translate and they say the word mediator means a negotiator. He is a mediator or a negotiator. So again, they bring in another person in the middle because they misunderstand and they lose in translation, uh, in transliteration maybe. They miss the truth of what the scripture is speaking. The word propitiation pulls in to grasp to the English language what is being said in the earlier portion of these two scriptures that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. When the King James Version uses the word and, there was no word in the original that actually was the word and. So they translated according to their understanding. And to advance the Trinitarian doctrine. Because it would be more appropriately translated as even rather than and. So in proper translation, let me break this to you and tell you the scripture said, There is but one God, even one mediator between God and man. So it is not bringing a second person or a third person of the Godhead into this passage. But in fact, it goes on to declare, And He, it didn't say they, and He is the propitiation for our sins. If you look through most of the Trinitarian commentaries, you will see them say that this word propitiation actually means a turning away of wrath by offering a sacrifice or an offering. So they are declaring that this Jesus, this mediator, this advocate, is going to the Father and offering some sort of sacrifice on our behalf. How can this possibly be? They are missing the point of Scripture because the Scripture says that the mediator, the advocate, that He is the propitiation. I want you to catch this. I know I'm going a little a little scholarly with you for a moment. That's unusual for me, I know. The Scripture says that He is, everybody say that with me, he is. He is is the propitiation. Let me help you. That means he didn't take an offering. He is the offering. There is but one God, even one mediator between God and man. And He is the propitiation for our sins or He is the offering for our sins. There's no way you can make multiple people in a Godhead out of such scripture. As a matter of fact, The writer begins it all by declaring, don't get confused in what we are about to say. There is but one God. The polluted doctrine often taught here is missing the point that Jesus didn't take an offering on behalf of the Father, but He became the offering on behalf of humanity. In other words, Jesus didn't just pay our sin, but Corinthians chapter 6 said, He who knew no sin became sin. Anybody with me tonight? That means that our offering, the propitiation, Jesus Christ didn't take an offering. He was the offering. He He didn't just go stand in for sin, but He Who knew no sin became sin for us. He became what we could not be for ourselves. It wasn't our black sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. But it was his bloody body which bore our sin or carried our sin that was nailed to the cross. That's why the Hebrew writer said that he took the ordinances of sin which were against us and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. In other words, when he went there, there wasn't another riding that was nailed to the cross that carried our sin. Jesus, the sacrifice that became sin, went to the cross, was nailed to the cross, died, he became the sin offering for you and I, our advocate, our mediator, became the offering. So this takes on a new meaning when we look at the phrase, we have an advocate with the Father. Translator bias has clouded the right meaning of this passage. A glaring example of wrong rendering is found in the NIV or New International Version. It translates that we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Bad translation. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, they got that right. Similar interpretive renderings are given in the Good News Bible that says it like this. We have someone who pleads to the Father on our behalf. I've heard people say, Jesus is in heaven praying to the Father on our behalf. Prove that to me in Scripture. Because there is but one God. Jesus Christ, the Scripture in Hebrews said, In Him, in Jesus, dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in Him. Clearly what the NIV and other translators had in mind was a court scene. With us as the accused, such wrong translations have created an image of God as an angry accuser needing a childlike or son like Jesus as our defender standing between God and man begging his father to not cast judgment upon the people of God. The Greek word they felt conveyed this scene is parakletos, which means, which is rendered advocate in the King James Version, or one who speaks in our defense in the New International Version. While parakletos does not carry the sense of a legal uh, advocate in some non biblical writings, it never conveys such a court scene in Scripture. The exact word is only used elsewhere by the Apostle John in John chapter 14. I'm going to read to you a few little excerpts that I took out of some commentaries in my study. Where the word comforter in the King James Version or counselor in the RSV or NIV, each of these uh, references are used four times to recognize, this is what the Trinitarian writers say to recognize the assistance or the help of the Holy Spirit. And from which we greatly benefit, they say, by its help. These are the recorded words. The associated words, paracleto or paraclesis, are used more broadly but never in the context of a court scene and certainly never in the the extent or in the sense of the exalted Jesus pleading to the Father for us. In fact, such ideas are directly in contradiction of the biblical depiction of the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost because the Bible never says that the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost is with Jesus and is standing before the Father and is pleading our cause. Help me Lord Jesus. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is declared all through the Scripture. To be God with us. God in us. It is, one writer said it like this, Christ in us, our hope of glory. Jesus Christ himself is correctly depicted in Scripture as God with us. The Holy Ghost is correctly depicted in Scripture as God in us. The Holy Spirit which is in us is working on our behalf and for our behalf. The Holy Ghost is our advocate or our comforter. Not as one speaking for us or pleading to the Father for us. For this would simply violate the oneness of God. And the first scripture I read to begin with tonight declares, there is but one God. So keeping true to the fact that there is but one God, we have to understand That this mediator, this advocate, is simply not some mystical character that is in the throne room of heaven that is standing before God as an attorney pleading the case for his people upon earth. But rather, he came as a baby in a manger. The angels came. Before he arrived, the angels said it like this, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and his name shall be called Jesus, the Savior of the world. The angel of the Lord declared it like this and Isaiah begins to write, for his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Well, I thought the Holy Ghost was counselor. That's right. But the baby also is counselor because you can't separate the baby from the Holy Ghost. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Wait, I thought he was in the eternals of heaven. He was the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Wait, I thought we were talking about the baby. We are because God robed himself in flesh manifested the spirit of god manifested in a fleshly body came as a baby in a manger walked among us and became our he became our propitiation he became our advocate when he took the sins of man upon himself how did he take the sins of man upon himself Bear with me a minute to go a little deeper into the Scripture. Because when they came and took him away, he was in the garden called Gethsemane. And there in the garden of Gethsemane he prayed. The Scripture said as though it were great drops of blood. He prayed as though it were great drops of blood. Who was he praying for? It was the flesh praying to the Spirit. As a matter of fact, he said it like this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's always a problem with our flesh. He's praying as though it were great drops of blood. And he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. From me, in other words, I if, if it's possible, if there is another way, if there is any other possible way in order for mankind to be saved, I, this pain, this agony that I'm about to go through over the next few hours, let it pass. I don't want to have to deal with it. There's the flesh speaking. If it be possible, as he's kneeling and praying in the garden, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. At that moment, Jesus Christ literally became, he took on the sins of man. How did he do it? The only explanation I have tonight is a very simple one. But he took all the sin from Adam to Moses and from Moses to the coming of his kingdom. That means that which had been in the past and that which was going to happen in the future. And the cup that he speaks of not a literal physical cup it was a spiritual cup if it be possible let this cup pass from me but if the cup can't pass and you don't have another way to save mankind nevertheless not my will but thine and he took the cup you know what just happened to that water It just became part of me. I just took that water on. Now I I am that water. Don't talk bad about that water. You're talking about me. I took anybody with me now. He took on the sins of man in the garden when he prayed, nevertheless, the moment, Brother Duggar, that he turned that text to nevertheless, not my will, the sin of the world began to come crashing down upon him. They beat him. They put thorns on his head. They mocked him. He carried a cross. He did all of it. But the issue was at the moment that he said, nevertheless, not my will, and the sin of the world came crashing down upon him at that point he became the sacrifice He became the propitiation. Every stripe on his back, every wound, every time they accused him falsely, every time they plucked his beard, every time they mocked him or spat upon him, he became our sacrifice. He became our propitiation. now the scripture said when we sin it actually says it like this if we sin we have an advocate this week my wife and I were asked to be an advocate which means we stepped in and spoke for someone but I can't do what Jesus did because the word advocate in a courtroom sense doesn't exactly fit the mold because Jesus didn't just speak on our behalf He came and lived and took on my sins on my behalf and now before you and I ever sin. He's already become. He's not going to become your advocate. He already is. Anybody get what I'm preaching tonight? He's not becoming your God. He already is. He's not becoming your Savior. He already is. The only thing you have a choice over is whether he becomes your Lord Because either you will be the Lord over your life or the world will be the Lord over your life or you'll turn the Lordship over to Him because He's already become your Savior. He's already become your advocate. He's already become the soon-coming King. He's already your Lord and your God. But you've got to decide if I'm going to turn it over to Him (laughs) to be my Lord and my God. He is the Lord and the God, but it's different when you decide he's going to become my Lord and my God. So he speaks as one who is stepping in to rescue us. he's He's not speaking for us, but rather, He's stepping in as a rescuer for us. He steps into the middle of our situation to rescue us out of that situation. Because God has never been afraid of our mess. He's never been afraid of our mess. He's never been afraid. Oh, if you knew what I've done, Pastor, he took those sins upon himself in the garden. He's not worried about what you've done, where you've been, how bad you think you are. That doesn't phase him. He became that in the garden. And then after he became that, he then carried a cross. He then bore our grief and carried our sorrow along with carrying your sin and the burden of the sin of mankind. He said, I'm going to carry their grief. I'm going to bear their sorrow. I'm going to give them healing. All these other things he said, I'll take on top of it. We get stressed out when we're physically sick. He's already taken that. We get stressed out over over some mistake and stay up all night and, and our life is filled with grief and anxiety. He carried all of it at one time. He steps into the middle of our situation. He's not afraid of our trouble. He's not afraid of our mess. Some may feel like once you're saved, you don't, you know, you no longer need a savior. I had a savior one time, but I don't need a savior any longer. But I want you to understand that first John chapter one and verse number eight said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess or admit or become honest about. Then he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for our sins. This is why that we need a Savior. This is why that we need a paraclete. That's the correct terminology. We don't need somebody in heaven praying to the Father for us. We need a paraclete. The paraclete is an advocate. You want to know what an advocate is? In, in the truest sense, if I could tonight on this Veterans Day, I don't know if we have any that that, that jump from planes, if, you, if we had any parachuters, but let me explain to you what a paraclete is. A paraclete is one that comes in, soars out of the middle of nowhere when the men are all hunkered down and the men military is coming against them and they need resources the planes fly over at heights beyond their ability to be able to shoot and they dive out with nothing but a backpack a rifle and a canteen and down they come into the rescue of the others they were called paracletes that is an advocate. That is the para. That is the, that's where the whole term comes from. They are a paraclete. They are coming to the rescue of somebody who is under a stress load that they cannot help themselves with. That's why in the middle of your problem tonight Jesus comes in in the middle of a worship song in the middle of an altar call and you're like where did that come from? It's a wave of the Holy Ghost. He's being your paraclete. He's being your advocate. Oh you don't know what I did last week. Who I talked about last week. The sin I was involved in last week. He's not concerned about it. He comes in with a wave of glory and he comes in right now now, even in this room, to rescue you. When we sin, we have an advocate. Shall we have an advocate? The storm may be raging, but God is not afraid of your storm. He will step into the middle of your storm. Mankind was sinking, but there was one who jumped into the middle of man with all of his problems and rescued us. That's why the church I grew up in used to sing, and we used to sing, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. See, you don't understand until you remember where you came from. What's that song talking about? You don't know the mire I was walking in. You don't know what my paraclete, you don't know what my advocate came and brought me out of. For some, he brought you out of addiction. From some, he brought you out of all sorts of things that you're not proud of. He brought you out, he brought you out of adultery. He brought you out of fornication. He brought you out of a life of sin and addiction. He brought you out of drugs. He brought you out of alcohol. He brought you out of lying. He brought you out. He came right in the middle of where you were and he brought you out he jumped right in the middle and he brought you out I wish I had a rope tonight that I could throw out but I want to tell you what he does he comes to a drowning man and he throws out a rope and he says come on up I'm not going to let you drown come on out come on out of the miry clay. Come on up from the life of despair. Come on up from the life of sin. Come on sister. Come on up. You don't have to stay in that life you're in. Come on out. Come on out of the miry clay. Come on out of your life of sin. Come on out of your depression. Come on out of your hopelessness. Come on out. That's what Jesus does. He's our advocate. He's advocating for us. He sends a preacher on the platform tonight to say, come on out. Come on out. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you've come from. But the Holy Ghost came tonight to tell you, come on out. The advocate's here for you. He's pulling you out. Why don't you look at somebody next to you, just take them with a hand and say, come on, let's go out. Why don't you just step on into that aisle right now, say, come on. We're not staying where we've been. Come on, you ought to grab that spouse with a hand and say, we're not living like this any longer. We're coming out. I'm not living under the load any longer. We're coming out. Come on, bring somebody with you. Why don't you throw a brother a lifeline tonight? Why don't you throw a sister a hand tonight and say, come on out. Come on up here with me. Come on with me. Our advocate is reaching for you. Our advocate says you don't have to stay there. Our advocate says I paid the price that you couldn't pay for yourself. He is the lifeline. He is the advocate. Every time you hear somebody start falsely preaching that message, you just stop. I just want you to remember a rope. All I want you to remember every time they say an advocate, just remember Jesus reaching down, saying, I'm your advocate. Come on up a little higher. I'm your advocate. Come on out. The writer said it like this. Sin has left its crimson stain, but Jesus washed me white as snow. You couldn't do that for yourself. Sin has left its crimson stain. How many of you came from way out there somewhere? And you couldn't do it for yourself, but Jesus washed me white. As snow. How is it that red blood can wash black sin and make it white as snow? I don't have the chemistry in that. But what I do know is what Jesus does, he does well. And when he forgives you and when he saves you, he saves you to the uttermost. That means where you've been don't matter. Where you've you've come from doesn't matter. When he brings you out, he wants to change everything in your life. Behold, now are we a new creature. I know this is a little tough right now. But how many of you in this room right now need some of that washing to wash over you? Maybe you know you're not where you where you ought to be. I'm not saying you're backslidden, but you're not where you ought to be. You know you need the help of God. You know you need the paraclete to come in. You know you need the lifeline to be thrown tonight. Come on, anybody in the room going to be bold and brave enough to say, that's me, Pastor. I see some hands. Look around. You see somebody with a hand? I need somebody that's got faith to believe and know that in the middle of the worst day of your life, Jesus will come on the scene. David said, I once was young, now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. He's not going to forsake you now. He's not going to leave you now. But what he's going to do is come on the scene. Come on, if you had your hand up, I want you to raise it real high. If somebody around you has their hand up, I want you to move to them very quickly. Because the blood of Jesus is washing tonight and cleansing and making white as snow. He's going to renew some people, restore some people. You don't have to wait for it but we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have a mediator. His name is Jesus. And he's working everything for your good. Come on, I need some people of God that know how to pray. I want you to pray with boldness tonight. If some more of you feel like you need prayer, why don't you just tell somebody, lay hands on me and pray for me.